Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to a, another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. Joining me up there in question mark parts unknown NBA.com's Sean Powell. Sean, good evening, sir. How are you? Good parts unknown means Atlanta, Georgia, which is the headquarters, the base of all things Turner Sports, inside the NBA, NBA TV, NBA.com, Bleacher Report, you know. Everything. I mean, as a local Atlantan, I didn't realize you were actually in Atlanta. I'm I grew up in Atlanta. I'm from Atlanta. From Stone Mountain, there you go. Small world. It's it, it's all good. Uh, this is actually the best time of year. Not that it's mm-hmm. bad in Tennessee, but uh, it makes uh, going through July and August worth worthwhile. Almost worthwhile. <laughs> October, I've always said, is the best month of the year. Uh, October is number one, and the foliage in East Tennessee. I don't know if you've ever gotten out to the Smokies, Sean, but yep. uh, the Smokies in October is unlike anything other. And I'm a I'm a big mountain guy. Uh, are you a mountain guy or a beach guy? Uh, I'm definitely not a beach guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, mountain, I do like the hike. I like the outdoors. I like wildlife. Mm-hmm. I've seen, I've been on safari. I've, I've been in Alaska, you know, Montana, that sort of stuff. So Safari, where? Uh, I went to uh, Botswana. I went okay. to Kenya and I went to South Africa. What was the coolest thing you saw on the safari? Uh, leopard hunting at night. Uh, I saw, uh, I walked out one morning cause I couldn't sleep with the time zone change. And mm-hmm. I looked to my left and I said, that tree just moved. Uh-oh. Uh, it was a giraffe, not a tree. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah. Was it safe? I, were you like, it? were you feeling like a little bit like, uh, what? Well, you know, the only reason why the giraffe moved is because I moved. I okay. took a step. He took a step. I took another step. He took another step. So he was watching me the whole time. And I didn't even know he was there. Are they friendly? Uh, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't have any kind of firsthand knowledge of that, nor will I try to get firsthand knowledge. <laughs> yeah. So you were not here trying to pet him and be like, all right, we're good to go. No, 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 no. Okay. That's cool. I've never been on a safari. That's something. Uh, uh, is that the. That, that's cool. Um, well. Sean, uh, we could talk all things uh, safaris and mountains and hiking and all that good stuff. But I think the good folks want to hear your perspective on a variety of NBA things. You've got the Grizzlies merch uh, ready to go here. I guess it's because you knew you were going to be on with uh, a Tennessee guy uh, this evening. So there you go. Um, I want to start, Sean. I was thinking about like I wrote about this today and this was something that I was thinking about because Jay Crowder popped up. Uh, in the news over the last couple of days and whether or not uh, the Atlanta Hawks, uh, our local team, are a real suitor for uh, Jay Crowder, um, who has uh, just been away and will no longer be a part of the Phoenix Suns organization and they're going to acquiesce in a trade for him and all that good stuff. But I was going through different lineups. So Cleaning the Glass does a really good job. NBA.com slash stats does a great job of this, of just parsing through lineups. And I was looking at a lot of different lineups for the Suns last year, the Hawks, and just kind of refreshing my memory going into uh, this new season that will be here before you know it. And it got me thinking, and I wanted to get your perspective on this, Sean. Best five-man unit this year, where you're just thinking, like, what is going to be the best five-man unit uh, that anyone throws out for 
you know, the minimum number of possessions. And I was curious, where do you think that team lies and what do you think that five-man combination looks like? Well, I don't think there's a team in the NBA that has five strong. There's huh. a there's a semi weakness. Like take the take the Golden State Warriors, defending mm. champion. You know, James Wiseman, I'm assuming, is going to start, but we don't know anything about him. Now, Do you think he starts over Kavon Looney? Okay, well, Kavon Looney, who mm-hmm. is a nice glorified role player. So uh, I don't think there's a team there that has a strong, strong starting five where you're like, oh my God. You know, mm-hmm. the weakest player is would start for 25 other teams or something like that. You see mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Uh, having said that, obviously the Warriors come to mind. I mean, you can't, you know, you can't quibble too much what they have. I'll tell you who's sneaky good. Mm-hmm. The Cleveland Cavaliers. Huh. Well, you got Donovan Mitchell. Mm-hmm. And you've got Evan Mobley. You've got Jared Allen. Uh, you've got uh, you've got Garland. Mm-hmm. And who am I missing out? Um, Okoro, probably. Well, yeah, yeah, probably. Um, you know, it could be, uh, uh, yeah, Coral. I'd probably say him. Um, so, was it? Is it? Uh, don't they have uh, Karis Levert, or is he? Karis Levert's still there, but I think he's going to be a bench guy. I think he's yeah. someone you want leading that second unit in scoring. So Cleveland is low key pretty good. They got two all stars, well, actually three all stars in the starting yeah. lineup. How many teams can boast three all stars in the starting lineup? I mean, you might so, be able to say four very soon. Uh, could be. So the bottom line is you have to put them in the select company mm. if only because of the all-stars. Uh, but, you know, you know, I don't know what, what, you know, the LA Clippers, what are they going to roll out now? The Clippers, I don't think they really have a strong starting five. I just think they're just deep. I That's mean, a good point. And I also don't know who their best five is. I think they're going to mix and match. I think exactly. we're going to watch throughout the regular season. Tyron Lue right. is going to just throw out a lot of different stuff. Exactly. So the starting five might be a little bit um, a misleading indicator of overall strength, mm-hmm. uh, because if you look at the Clippers, you figure that they are going to contend for a championship. But other than Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, I don't know what John Wall is going to do. I mean, uh, you know, who else is going to Norman Powell? He, maybe he comes off the bench. Maybe he starts. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, Marcus Morris. OK. You know, Zoo, Zubach, all right, you know, he's okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. But the starting five doesn't scare me as much as the top eight. Hmm. Uh, so um, it's a good question. And as I said, you have to put out the Warriors out there. You've got to put, like I said, low-key good is Cleveland, if only because of the All-Stars. Mm-hmm. And by the way, that's three All-Stars, two of them not even in their prime yet. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously Donovan Mitchell is in his prime. Um, so I think that those kind of my, and I'm sure if I go down and, you know, look and see, uh, you know, Memphis, once, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. comes back, you know, you're going to have to look at them. Phoenix, I know they really still have that one hole, uh, but obviously, you know, they would be there. Milwaukee's definitely got a good three players, mm-hmm. uh, Middleton, Drew Holiday, Giannis, then there's a little bit of a drop off. So, and I think that that's typical of the NBA now. I would love to see a league of 20 teams. Can you imagine how many starting fives we got then? Oh, my God. We're, we're only going forward, though. LeBron's already trying to get the Vegas team. We're only going up, Sean. We're not uh, going backwards. And, and, and you know what that does? It dilutes the talent. Yeah. You know, and look, 
God bless anybody who can make a living playing the NBA. But no, you know, uh, there were 20 teams mm. and you consolidated all those players, you would have at least five or six super teams, mm -hmm. you know? And I think you would probably have more compelling games. The regular season would mean a little bit more, mm -hmm. uh, you know, but of course the NBA, like any business entity, is all about the Benjamins, all about making that cash. So more teams, more games, they'll wait to see the improved product come playoff time. Do you think players are gonna buy into the mid-season tournament? I don't know. I don't know the players. I don't even know the media knows enough about it. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think that we're, there's still a, a bit of a mystery to it. Mm -hmm. um, I would find it hard to believe players buying in it just for money. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're talking about the NBA players are the highest paid players in American professional sports. So what's another couple of million going to do for LeBron? Yeah. You know, seriously, you know, and I'm just using, he's an extreme example, of course, but you know, now if you're the seventh man, okay, a couple, you know, a couple more million, okay, that means something. But even then, I'm not so sure the coaches go all out. If you're if you're Ty Lue, the Clippers, mm -hmm. and there's a midseason tournament, are you going all out with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard? Get particularly with Kawhi Leonard, given his injury history, to mm -hmm. win a midseason tournament? I don't know enough about it. If you win the tournament, does that give you a bye to the conference finals once the playoffs start? Okay, well then now, okay, you mm -hmm. know. But there's got to be some sort of payoff that's more than financial. Yeah. There's got to be some sort of payoff that's more than just a, like another title or, you know, what crown, whatever. There's mm -hmm. got to be something greater to get the players and the coaches to buy in to the concept. And I just haven't heard enough about it. That's fair. Um, I Part of me wants to say that the Sixers might have the best five-man unit uh, to trot out there at the beginning of any particular game, if they go Harden, Maxi, Tobias, PJ Tucker, and Embiid, I think that's just going to be a like just such a pain on both ends that I would not be surprised if we're looking on NBA.com slash that's. Uh, well, yeah, and, and, and that's good. But yeah. a couple of things about that storyline. I'm a PJ Tucker is what 38, 37, 38. Yeah, he's up, he's there. up there, and he's limited. Mm -hmm. uh, and they only have uh, two All Stars. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and I'm thinking Maxie is going to have a good year. It could be in the running for most improved player. Although I thought he was pretty improved last year. He's looked good uh, this preseason. Yeah. And then Tobias Harris is a player who has to make sacrifices. Mm -hmm. because He's not going to get enough shot. This is a guy who could average 20 points a game. He's not going to get those shots with, with Maxie, with Harden, with MB, he's not going to get those shots. Mm -hmm. So his game might be a little bit more tempered. Now he'll have to find other ways to contribute to the team. Now he's a pretty decent player. He will find those ways, but scoring wise, you know, uh, you know, he's going to have to offer something more than that uh, to uh, really be a, you know, like a, to elevate his game and really be a major, major factor for the Sixers. Yeah. I, I think that's more than fair. I don't think the Lakers are going to make the cut here. Uh, uh, yeah. I don't, I, well, forget the starting five. I don't think the Lakers are going to make the cut for the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, well, because if you look at the West of the of the top eight teams that made the playoffs last year, who's not going to who's not going to make it this year from that top eight? Well, I'll give you one. Obviously, yeah. is Utah. Yeah, Utah's gone. But the Clippers are going to take that spot. Yeah, the Clippers didn't make it last year. 
And so who the who spot of the Lakers going to take? The Pelicans now with Zion? Minnesota? Yeah. Go there? Denver? It's going to uh, take injuries, right? Like that's basically what well, separates this. It's, exactly. it's got to be injuries. It's got to be injuries. Um, I mean, Portland's back. I think Portland's like the biggest wild card where yeah, Dame's I... upside, where I think we're about to learn just how big of a of a player and how much of a talent he really is this particular year. After a year away, Anthony Simons looked really good without Dame last year. And we know that those starters are good. You bring in Jeremy Grant. They have a lot of vets now, pretty veteran heavy. We'll see what Shaden Sharp looks like in limited minutes. But I, I am very curious to see like what kind of ceiling or at least what kind of floor, I guess, is the better way of putting it with a Dame healthy Blazers team. Like, I wonder what the minimum number of games he by himself wins for the Blazers. We haven't seen I, it yet. I like Dame, <clears throat> but I think he's a little overvalued. And I'll tell you why. Hmm. He's a player who can do one thing very well. Okay, is he one of the great passers in the NBA? No. Is he one of the great ball stoppers in the NBA? No. Is he one of the great rebounders in the NBA? No. There's only one way Dame is going to hurt you, and he's a smallish guard. Mm -hmm. And I think um, if you're that size, you better be historic in in your strength, like Steph Curry. Mm -hmm. He is historic in his strength. Now, he's not going to beat you rebounding, defense. He's not going to. The, the ball doesn't even flow through him. It goes through Draymond in certain terms mm-hmm. of running the offense and everything. But they win with him because he is historic in what he does. Dame's not historic in, 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 in the best thing he does. He's very good. Mm-hmm. I'm not diminishing him. But asking a smallish point guard who doesn't rebound, who's not a, a, a great defender, uh, who does, is ne- you know, he doesn't lead the league in assists, Asking him to carry a team, eh, maybe they get, you know, into 40 win-wise and everything. But there's a reason why the Portland Trailblazers with Damon Lillard have only reached the Western Conference Finals once. And in that series, he he was outplayed by Steph Curry and the Warriors didn't have Kevin Durant. Yeah. And he got swept. But that's still pretty good. He still took him pretty far in the West. I mean, I, hey, dude, I'm just, I'm just spitting facts here. But I, I am very curious. I'm a big Dame guy. I want to see what it looks like this year. I think they're a big wild card out west. Like nothing would surprise me. Them being the sixth seed, fifth seed, or missing the playoffs and having a really bad year would not now, surprise I, me. Now, assuming everybody stays healthy, I just yeah. don't see them. Let's take you said six seed. Okay, mm-hmm. will they be better than the Clippers? Will they be better than the Warriors? Will they be better than Memphis? Will they be better than Denver? Will they be better than the Suns? I, I it's interesting you didn't throw in Dallas there because I think Dallas is a lock for a top four seed for the next. The one decade. thing about Dallas, and you absolutely, I didn't even put them in there. Yeah, is that Christian Wood? I think, and Christian Wood, I got to see that dynamic mm-hmm. between him and Luca first. And you know, if that dynamic is good, then okay, you throw Dallas. Well, that's seven right there, right? Yeah. Okay, well, you know, there's one team, there's one spot left. <laughs> New Orleans is getting that, right? They got I mean, Zion this year. And we'd even throw in the Minnesota, who I think is going to be a top four seed. Like, I think Minnesota's right there. So, seven and eight. Yeah. Minnesota, New Orleans. The like play-in is going to be insane in the West this year. Where does Portland fit? 
Where do the Lakers fit? I don't stump everybody stays healthy. Yeah. I don't see those two teams better than the eight I just told you. So the, the West is stacked, the East is stacked as, as well. Uh, but the West is stacked, man. It's stacked. Yeah. Because you've got two te- three teams that were missing important players last year. They added those players, and you assume they're going to even going to get stronger. Clippers, uh, Denver Nuggets, New Orleans Pelicans. I think you can make the case the Nuggets are the best five of anyone in the NBA. They want to throw it out. With Jamal Murray back, KCP, Michael Porter Jr., who's also back, Aaron Gordon, and Nikolai Jokic. I think okay. that being a closing five, I we saw what that looked like a couple of years ago, and we saw what Jamal Murray's capable of in the bubble. I... I, that five is a championship five if they all stay healthy together. It's a good five. It's a strong five. I'm not the biggest uh, fan of uh, Aaron Gordon. Okay. I, I think he, he's he been exposed since he left Orlando. Mm-hmm. And you saw during the playoffs last year, he had nothing. He had nothing. Uh, when they asked him to score because they were mm-hmm. missing, you know, Murray and Michael Porter Jr., he had nothing. But so, that, he's overcast. But if he's back to number four on that team, I mean, again, you know, he's he he went from being a premier player for a team in Orlando mm-hmm. to like a number four option in a role player. And to me, that downgrade, eh, you know, that's a really good number four though. I, I, I You're mean, not a Nuggets guy. You're he's not a Nuggets five, believer. He's yeah. five, and but you asked him about the starting five. They definitely have three. Yeah. KCP, okay, you know, pretty good, decent defender. He can shoot the three. He's got championship experience, okay. Uh, but it's really those three players. And by the way, of those three players, only two are all stars. Michael Porter Jr. is yet to, and I know he's been hurt. Yeah, he's yet to prove that he belongs in that conversation. That's fair. Um, crazy stuff happened in the NBA last week. Draymond Green, uh, the fight video getting out. Um, we'll see what happens with uh, the legal ramifications of that video getting out. Um, Warriors obviously not pleased. Uh, Draymond Green stepping away from the team. Uh, TBD for how long that actually is. Um, I This was wild. And I want to start with the question of like, does this Draymond Green fl- uh, fight cloud linger? all season in Golden State. What does your gut say, Sean? Uh, my gut says no. It's a nice okay. little preseason conversation because there's no basketball to be played. There's nothing else to talk about. And yeah, the video was pretty graphic and all that. I'm not trying to diminish all that. Once the ball goes up, man, nobody cares. Media you think Cole cares. moves on? Nobody cares. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. It's not like Draymond hasn't had issues before. Mm-hmm. And what happened? They just kept, the when the ball went up, they didn't care. Look, let me yeah. tell you something about sports where it's different than real life. In sports, if you were to punch somebody in the accounting uh, office, mm-hmm. human resources would get involved, right? Yeah. Okay. If you punch your teammate, human resources not get involved, right? Mm-hmm. It's the only <laughs> entity in corporate America where you can fight mm-hmm. not only at your coworker, but the person above you, your coach. You can push him, you can shove him, you can punch him, you can do all those things. And human resources will not get involved. Think about mm-hmm. that. 
Think about that. So basically, the Warriors are in business to do one thing. That's to win. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, this is a nice little, not nice little, but this is a little diversion, you know, only because the season hasn't started yet. Nobody wants to talk about KD anymore and Kyrie. So now we've moved on to Draymond. And then mm-hmm. after this, another couple of weeks, there'll be something else. We'll move on to that. You know, it's, it's just the it's just the Internet, social media world we live in. But I can tell you the Warriors are paying what upwards of one hundred million dollars in the luxury tax, probably even more than that. Uh, they're shelling up that kind of money. Oh, dude, they want to return on that. Uh, 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 Draymond's playing. Mm-hmm. Draymond's playing. Now, he may not be back next year, but this is not about next year. Oh, he's coming back and he's playing. As I said, sports is different. Human resources does not get involved. Okay. And because winning is really the main and the only thing. Oh, he's going to play. So how long do you think he's going to be away? Do you think he's there at the opening night? I mean, I I think it was just, let me ask you a question. If Mm -hmm. that video had not gone out, would he have stepped away? No. Okay. Go through time. Mm -hmm. Not only in sports, outside of sports. If there was no video involved, would the punishment ever be as severe uh, 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 as if video is involved, you can go back to Rodney King. If if, if video never existed with Rodney King, mm-hmm. you see what I'm saying? You, Ray Rice. Yeah. If there was never any video. Visuals change things. It changes things. But why should it? Why should it? It's, you, you still... Do you think it's human nature? Just no, the no, way no, our brains no, work, no, no. just seeing it versus you reading still, about it? You still committed the so-called act. Mm-hmm. Why should it be different? Because, oh, well, the video's out. Well, you know, now we got to come down hard on you. Why wouldn't you just come down hard on them without the video? Right? Yeah. So our society is weird that way. Mm-hmm. It's very weird. And it's a shame that you need video to document things just so the outside world can get their outrage and that changes can be made as opposed to if you, you didn't have the video. Oh, it's all, we sweep it under the rug. It's all hunky-dory. Let's move on and do what we do. This is just another example of that. I agree. Um, when you when you look at his future, though, it seems like you think this is it for Draymond. Well, and- well, you talk about the future, and I brought up the Warriors and their luxury tax. They're like an eight-time repeater tax. All of a yeah. sudden, that's like eight, $8 per dollar. You get what, something like that. So they're, they're well into the hundreds of million dollars just in luxury tax. Mm-hmm. They, they can't keep paying everybody. They can't. They pull. Well, they're going to pay Jordan Poole. They're not going to yeah. pay. They're not going to pay Dray- Draymond Green. Draymond Green. Well, is- he made it easier, right? Like that's the other part of this is he made it easier for them not to pay. Dray- he made he he made it easier. And mm-hmm. so, if I'm the Warriors, I, I, now look, if Draymond wants to say, "Hey, man, I'll take a pay cut. You can pay me twelve million dollars a year." Okay. Okay. But if you give Draymond Green $20 million next year, he really mm-hmm. counts like $70 million against the cap. You're really paying him like $50, $60, $70 million. Even though his actual salary is $20, you have got to pay the luxury tax that goes along with it. And if you're the Warriors, I mean, Clay Thompson's deal runs another couple of years. Steph Curry's deal runs another five, six years. Mm-hmm. You know, Wiggins, you got to act on, you got to act on Wiggins. What are you going to do about Wiggins? 
right? You got you to gotta act on Jordan Poole. So mm-hmm. if you're the Warriors, I know they got a lot of money. I know Bay Area has got a lot of wealthy people and all that stuff. But hey, dude, there comes a time when you're like, all right, we can't pay everybody. Yeah. And here's the thing. If Draymond goes to another team, I think he's going to be in for the shock of his life because he is tailor-made for the Warriors, for that mm-hmm. system, whatever. Would he have the same impact if he goes to, say, Utah? Spurs, Dallas Mavericks, Atlanta Hawks. I don't know. Will he have that same dynamic? Will they ask him to do things that he can't do? I would do that today, by the way. If you did Draymond for John Collins and some stuff. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I would do that immediately. Immediately. Now, would you do that and give Draymond upwards of $25, $30 million a year for the next five, six years? Absolutely. We're the Atlanta Hawks. Like, absolutely. (laughs) Like, that's some people just like overthink certain things where I'm like, Trey's already just the most upside hawk. And look, I love Neek, but it's different. Like Trey gets the Eastern Conference Finals the way he did. Like, it's just, a, it, we'll see. Like you just have such a short time frame with younger stars now to keep them happy and to show progress and to get them where they want to go. That if this season goes awry uh, in Atlanta, like Trey might just ask out next summer anyway. Like it's just... Things change very, very quickly in this league for a lot of guys. So people who are like, oh, you can't do mortgage the future for Draymond Green. I'm like, did you watch the last 20 years of Atlanta Hawks basketball? Like, mm-hmm. are, what are you worried about? Like, I'm okay taking a big swing on Draymond, Trey, and DeJounte Murray. Yeah, I'll go down if that doesn't work out. I'm cool with this organization flaming out uh, with those three not working out. That's cool. That's a risk-worthy move. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Whatever Draymond wants. Yeah, 1,000%. <laughs> He gets to literally co-host uh, inside the NBA because uh, that's where his future probably lies anyway. Back in Atlanta, he gets to be on that show more often. Why not? Yeah, 1,000%. 1,000%. Any Hawks fan who says otherwise, they're out of their minds. You can't do it. Would I guess, would you do it if you're the Hawks? I mean, uh, yeah, I, would, I definitely would have to think about it. I'm not saying I wouldn't do it. I would probably lean more towards doing it, uh, but I just have to see how the numbers stack up. Uh, you know, what becomes of Clint Capella? Does he become a better player with Draymond? Because he, you know, Draymond's going to, you know, play the high post. Uh, I guess do I need his scoring? John Collins can at least score. I, I mean, I don't know. I didn't really. Capella's have probably out in this scenario. I think Capella's out anyway. Like the reason that Capella is still hanging on is Capella and Trey are cool. Capella has Trey's back, and they have a really good on-court, off-court relationship. But the time is coming where they just picked up Anyeka and Kongwu's option, and you really just have to see what you have there at the five. Well, and, they pick up his option because it was a no-brainer, right? Uh, but I'm saying like time's running out. You got to figure out if you are going to pay this guy a significant amount of money very soon. And he, yeah. the only way to figure that out is he has to play the five major minutes. And I have not seen enough of him to. Oh, I love Kongwu. Yeah, I haven't seen enough. I see him setting a lot of picks. See, whenever yeah. I see big men setting picks, uh, that scares me, man. Hmm. it's almost like your main job is go out there and set screens and when i see that that tells me a big man who says you know what i'm not going to work on the rest of my game Hmm. i'm not going to try to get a mid-range shot you know i'm not going to learn how to maybe dribble take somebody i'm not going to learn all that (laughs) because all Hmm. they want me to do is set screens whenever i see a big man out there setting screens i'm like no dude i need you to do something i need you i need you to be the other team's got to fear you some which way, shape, or fashion. They've got to pay attention to you. 
if you're out there and basically you're playing four on five and the only thing you can do is catch lobs, I get it, Trey Young's a good lob, whatever. I mean, that's just me. I got to see you work on your game. I, I, I don't know if Okongwu is any different this year than he was last year. He's young. Mm. And maybe he will be. I'm not saying he won't be. But I've got to see it before I start making big time financial decisions and giving him just handing him a very lucrative contract extension. I just got to see more this year. And I get it. And you're right. That's all you said. You want to see more and you've got to give him that chance. So the Hawks do have to give him that chance. He's got to earn that chance. Mm. But the Hawks do have to give him that chance. Um, speaking of the Hawks, the right deal for Jay Crowder. Um, which I think is interesting. I I, re- I didn't realize that. I mean, he shot forty five percent in the bubble, and he was great for that Miami Heat uh, finals run um, with the Grizzlies earlier that year. Goes to Miami, um, was awesome in the bubble. Just hit basically every shot he took uh, for that Heat team. Uh, was fantastic in Phoenix. I mean, he was he was great, and he's been really good for the last couple of years. He's thirty two years old, and there's the usual suspects, right? Could he go back to Miami? Um, they lost PJ Tucker. That's an obvious fit. But I, I just wonder where the right fit, because, I mean, the, the Hawks have a hole with Daniel Gallinari out the building and they played him primarily at the backup four. And he got a lot of minutes there uh, next to Capella this past year. And maybe it's Jalen Johnson. Maybe they give DeAndre Hunter more of those minutes. I don't know. I'd be a little nervous uh, considering DeAndre Hunter has played uh, a combined an average of like 50 something games uh, through his three season NBA. I'd be a little concerned pushing him down there. Um but I, I don't know. Where is the right fit for you, Sean, uh, for Jay Crowder? Um, I do like some of the teams you mentioned. I think the Hawks. I think the, I think Miami. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing that also kind of scares me a little bit is that Phoenix is a good team. They just said, all right, goodbye. Hmm. I, I mean, I'm like, yeah. Is Jay Crowder going to be a difference maker, or is he just going to basically – you know, give you some minutes. There's a difference between being mm-hmm. a difference maker and a guy who's just going to give you some minutes. And I think maybe at this point in his career, and he's had some solid performances, particularly in the playoffs with Phoenix. Uh, so I'm not def- I'm definitely not diminishing me as a player, but he's got to go somewhere where he's just not getting minutes. He's got to go somewhere where he is a difference maker. Uh, and the other thing, he's not going to, he's going to come cheap. You know, you're not going to be paying him a lot of money or anything. That's the mm-hmm. good news for team. You had a chance to get a veteran player who's gone to the NBA finals, who's a decent three-point shooter, uh, hasn't worked on the rest of the game, but I don't see him taking mid-range. I don't see him dribbling. See, that's the other thing about the NBA. Some of these players, they get into the whole analytics thing, three and D. They don't even work on the rest of their game. Work on your dribbling, work on your But don't you think there's a certain point at your age where you're like, all right, that's just not who I am. That's not happening. Okay, well, you, so you just wave it. I mean. Yeah, you Michael wave white flag, man. You become a Michael Jordan player, worked you know? on his game every year, and he was the highest of the high. He would mm. always bring something back that was new. There's, some, there's a lot of players in the NBA. They say, hey, you know what? Make it $12 million pretty good. Yeah, I don't need to work on. I don't need to work on this. They're paying me twelve million dollars for me to do one thing. Hey, I'm good. Yeah. What, what happened to the professionalism? What happened to the drive to be great? What happened to pushing yourself to the limits by working on holes in your game 
that can make you not only a better player and give you more leverage in contract negotiations, but could also help your team. And I think too often, I'm not picking on Jay Crowder at all. I mean, I, like I said, I think he's been a good player. But I see it too often in the NBA where players settle into that little comfort zone and they don't work on anything else. You know, you know someone said you're a three-point shooter. You don't see them doing mid-range. You don't look at Devin Booker coming off the dribble, breaking his man down, okay? Shooting in mid-range, stepping back, shooting a three-pointer, all right? He works on his game. Mm-hmm. LeBron works on his game. LeBron didn't have a three-point shot. He's worked on his game. He didn't just say, oh, I'm good. Make I'm good. No. No. Just as what I do for a living, I work on my vocabulary. I got to write for a living. I mm-hmm. work on my game. And I've been in this game for a long time. I still got to improve. I see too many players who just say, oh, you know what? What I do, I'm good. I'm making $10, $15 million, whatever. Hey, I'm good. I don't need to work on anything. And to me, I mean, that's not respecting the game. Hmm. The best way you can respect the game is to always improve and come back with something new. Hmm. You see, I don't think I'm out of school by saying this now. I mean, you know, again, that's what the greats do. Yeah. But so. isn't that what separates the greats from the role players? With the role players, there is value. Hey, and, and the role players get into a comfort zone. Like, yeah. you know, hey, I see this. I see certain players. T- take Rudy Gilbert. Mm-hmm. Solid defensive player. How come at this stage in his career, he's never worked on a bread and butter hook shot? Just something. Something. All You know what? All those defensive players of the year awards, they stacked up and they gave him a big contract. He's like, hey. Mm-hmm. Plus, Donovan don't pass me the ball anyway, so hey, <laughs> well, there's a reason why Donovan didn't pass you the ball. You mm. never work on the rest of your game. But do you, don't you think it's kind of funny? You and I have been in uh, pre- like NBA practices and seen guys where I think it would blow the av- the average fans' minds what role players can actually do that they just don't do uh, in NBA games. Like Dwight Howard just sinking three after three after three, and uh, you don't see him taking it. Like I. I don't know. I think there is part of it of like, well, there's one thing I could be working on it, and there's another thing if the coaching staff and the front office doesn't want me doing any of those things. If you're if you work on it, you work hard on it to the mm. point where you can contribute to the team, the coaching staff will, will take that. I, I, I wouldn't I'm, I'm not necessarily buying that totally. Mm. I think if I came back. And I added something to my game that was good and it could help my team win coaching staff. Say, hey, man. We need that. Thank you very much. You get more minutes for that. Interesting. Um, what would you do if you're OKC? Would you keep on keeping on with SGA or would you do him a solid and be like, look, the timeline's not going to match up? No, I mean, he's a good young player. He's the type of player you want. You want you're trying to, you know, collect. Mm. Uh, no, no, no. I'm keeping him, man. I just need him to stay healthy for next year. Yeah, uh, because we could you know, strike it rich in the draft uh, or you just never know. So no, 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 I I don't get rid of the players I'm trying to collect. Hmm. You know, I mean, I want more Shea Gilders Alexanders, maybe not at that position, that size, but that quality. I want Mm -hmm. more. And I don't think I help my franchise by getting rid of him just to maybe have a little bit better chance of getting the draft. Now, I will say, Next January in the NBA, mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. It's going to be <laughs> interesting 
what you start to see, who gets traded from the teams at the bottom, mm-hmm. players being given away, all this, all of a sudden, you know, they're calling up players from the G League and starting them, getting them minutes and resting Shea Gillis, Alexander for the rest of the season, basically shutting them down, all those sort of things. Oh, San Antonio is just going to be the Austin Spurs. Well, here's the deal. I think you, obviously, now that there's not a coin flip involved in the draft mm-hmm. like that, but you help yourself if you're one of the worst three teams in the NBA because, you know, they basically have the same chance of getting the number one pick. I think if you're in that fourth spot mm-hmm. and March rolls around, oh, dude. <laughs> oh, dude. Oh, dude. We're going on a, we're going on a 15-game losing streak. Yeah. <laughs> Because what do what do those games mean? Mm-hmm. What do those games mean? And your fans will probably want you to do it anyway. Oh, yeah. dude! If I'm in have you talked four, to NBA players about this before, dude? If I'm in that four spot, oh man! And players don't tank. You put a player yeah. on the floor, he's going to play. But I just won't put him on the floor. Hmm. I control minutes, right? I really hope the John Wall stuff doesn't become a permanent part of the NBA, where you just take a full year off and you just don't move a guy, and he just sits healthy and not doing anything like there has to be a way to just all right if you're not going to play you have to i understand it's dicey because it's like you can't force teams to play guys in your rotation but i don't know i hope that does not become a common thing the ben simmons john wall stuff well just as you said about okongwu you got to see what he can do Mm. that's what the rockets had you know yeah guys they had to see what they can do yeah but just put him on the lakers the second half like i would like just just move him yeah well First of all, he was making $44 million. You could have done the Westbrook there. trade, throwing a pick. You got to match up those, those yeah. numbers and the contracts and everything. Uh, but putting that aside, the teams today are on the clock with rookies. Mm. In, in two, less than three years, they've got to make a big financial decision on it. Big. And if they don't get enough playing time for you to see what they can do, and then that clock strikes midnight, and you got to figure out whether you're going to pay this guy and you still don't have any idea what he's going to do, you're in trouble. And I think that's the reason why you see situations like we saw with John Wall. The Rockets were on the clock. They were on the clock. They had Mm -hmm. young players. They got to throw them out there and see what they can do. Blame the system. Yeah. You know, don't hate the player, hate the game. Well, that's the game. Did you watch any of the Victor Wimbanyana and uh, Scoot Henderson Bowl games, basically. I, in, I mean, I was more watching some football. I mean, yeah. You know, that kind of thing. I, I don't really get too wrapped up in. First of all, I really, I seldom watch college basketball. Yeah. I don't even watch it, you know. Uh, and I'm, you know, I'm going to watch high, glorified high school basketball. I mean, no. <laughs> I don't care what Bronny James can do. I don't care. I don't watch any of that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, because that's just, whole, that's just speculation. Having said that. Mm-hmm. Victor Wimbiana, I think, and I don't think this is an outrageous statement. He's probably the greatest high school prospect. I mean, I guess 18 or whatever, pro- draft prospect, draft eligible prospect, whatever. And quite some time, if not ever. Because I understand you go back, well, what about LeBron James? Okay. LeBron James was a big prospect, but was LeBron James seven foot five? Yeah. Was LeBron James hitting three-point shots? Was LeBron James blocking shit? So he had such length that he's blocking shots at the top of the backboard. Really? No. So let's go back to Shaq. Shaq mm. coming out of LSU was not polished. 
he couldn't shoot free throws or whatever. You know, he's big. Okay, mm-hmm. he's a big prospect, whatever. But again, this kid, he got skills, man. He's dribbling, crossing guys up. He is the most unique incoming talent I think we've ever seen. Name me mm-hmm. somebody else who was more unique than this kid. Name me. Not Giannis. Giannis couldn't. Giannis had nothing. Tim Duncan, oh, he's fundamental, but Tim Duncan was, you know, textbook or whatever. He wasn't unique. Who? You got to, you want, oh, you had to go back to Wilt Chamberlain. You go back to Wilt Chamberlain. You know, maybe go back to uh, certainly not Michael Jordan because he was the number three pick in the draft. Magic was pretty unique in Ooh. his size. I think Magic was pretty unique. Yeah. Magic yeah. was pretty But again, unique. yes. But is he as unique? This kid, seven five. Yeah. Shooting three pointers, crossing guys up on the dribble. Mm. Magic wasn't that unique. Yeah. yeah. He was unique in that nobody had ever seen a six nine point guard. Right. But he ain't as unique as this kid. So, and I'm not saying this kid is going to turn out to be the greatest player ever. I am just saying he is the most unique, mm. if not the best, incoming prospect we have seen in a while, if ever. Like I said, the only player I can think that would ever come is Will Chamberlain. Mm-hmm. When Will Chamberlain came out of Kansas, I mean, he changed the game. They had to change the rules for Will. <laughs> Yeah, you know, he changed the game. Do you think he so, would dominate in today's NBA? Who? Well, the, the the game is so different. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he has the physical tools to dominate, but he would have to work on the skills that are required in today's game. He mm-hmm. would have to, you know, dribble a little bit better. And here's the other thing: I never saw Will play. So mm-hmm. here I am talking about somebody I never saw play, and, and I always get a kick out of people. Coming up with a top 10 NBA. <laughs> Did you ever see Bill Russell play? Oh, real? Mm-hmm. Did you ever see Oscar Robin play? Oh, real? Whenever I come up with a top 10 list, it's of the players I've seen play. How can we talk about players we've never seen play? And, and just automatically put them up there. Oh, you got to have this guy. Bob <laughs> Pettit's got to be number 12. Yeah. Dude, really? Did you see Bob Pettit play? Okay. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, what is your current top 10 right now? Do you oh, have a current? Now that you, I've opened my mouth. Now yeah, yeah, you've thrown it out there. Well, uh, I can say, I, I'll, I'll just give you this. Mm-hmm. If based on their historical contributions, and I would have to now include players I've never saw play, mm-hmm. if I had to include them in a top 10 list, Kobe Bryant wouldn't be top 10. Oh, wow. No, no. He wouldn't be. I mean, first of all, you have to have the three centers, Will yeah. Russell and Chain. And, and, oh, uh, I thought you were going like the, the players you have seen play. I thought you were still. Oh, that now one. the players I have seen play. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The players he's you've top, seen play. Oh, like he's who's top in the top? Five. Okay. He's, he's top five. Okay. I mean, uh, well, the, the two obvious ones Jordan, LeBron, mm-hmm. Duncan, Magic, Bird, Kobe, Shaq, uh, Steph Curry, probably there. KD's probably there. Uh, Akeem, who always gets the short shrift when people yeah. on these lists. Akeem was outstanding. On Why both. do you think that is? Is it What's a that? Shaq thing? Why do you think that is? Why do you think it's overlooked? I mean, I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, but but Akeem was just tremendous, tremendous player. He'd be in my top 10 of players I've seen play. Oh, he'd be mm. in my top 10. So I think I just gave you eight or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, you Did know. Did you throw AI in there? Uh, 
I'm on the fence with that one okay. uh, because he was a scorer and not the most efficient scorer either. You look mm-hmm. at his career free throw, uh, field goal percentage, it's like 42%. Mm-hmm. He, was a, he was an amazing gunner and he could, he wasn't afraid of taking a big shot, but, uh, and he was, you know, he was, he was, he was tough in that regard. Uh, he'd be borderline for me. Uh, if I were to put him in at nine, 10, okay. Okay. Uh, but all the players I just rattled off, I don't have to think about them. Yeah. I don't have to say, Hmm, but Alan Iverson, I have to, Hmm, top 15, no question. Top 10. Let me think about, so that's, that's where I would sit with him. Him never getting hurt really is still the most marvelous thing. Like me growing up, like that was my favorite player growing up. And that's like why I got into basketball. I had the I3s and everything. And I was always number three and playing basketball and AAU and all that stuff. But his ability to not get hurt and just the falls that he took over and over again is still mind boggling to me. The fact that AI was just so consistent and just avoided all kinds of nasty injuries is a testament. Kind of a lot of Kyrie there, I think, in the way he was falling and the way he was able to drive and uh just survive uh inside but Kyrie obviously a, a much much better shooter um than uh than AI but there are I think some similarities um who's your best what if that you've seen that you just wish had a healthy career that would that you think would have been an all-time great uh Yao Ming hmm. um he comes to mind because uh you know that size and he was kind of gifted he had a nice little touch and everything uh but you know he, uh, you know he couldn't really avoid the injuries. I'm sure, uh, you know there might be, I, you know you're crazy. People might think I'm crazy when I say this, but Larry Bird's career was pretty much over at, at age 30 because mm-hmm. he had a back injury. But Bird had the type of game that he could have played another five years at a pretty high level. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so he wasn't healthy, you know. He really didn't reach the 90s. And I know he was on the dream team in 92, but he was a shell of himself. Yeah. Uh, you know, his back was, and he never played the NBA after that, by the way. After mm-hmm. that dream team, he was done. But his back was really problematic for the previous three years. He had to lay down on the court when he wasn't in the game. Uh, so, you know, those injuries really hurt him. Um, I mean, those are just, you know, a couple of them that uh, come to mind. John Wall. I mean, I know, you know, we're going to try to stay current here. I hope it doesn't happen to Zion Williamson. I think the league is better off with Zion Williamson healthy. He's only played 85 of a possible 246, 247 games. Uh, I hope he doesn't fall, you know, into that issue because I think the the league can really use him. Mm -hmm. He's a tremendous player, a one of a kind, good personality. People want to see him play. I mean, those are the players that the NBA needs to stay healthy. I would throw Jaw in that mix too, because he's. This? I would throw Jaw in that mix too. That they need to stay healthy. They need Jaw. Yeah, but he really hasn't been. He he really hasn't had a injury. I was just citing some of the players who, uh, who have know, more. Who have, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, it happens all the time, and and you know that's part of this game. It's a big mystery. I, mm-hmm. I have no idea. I, I mean, in the '60s and '70s, were players dropping like flies? I mean, I, I don't know. Everybody blames AAU. I don't think so. I mean, I think this game's just a lot harder on your body. Like, I think it's just you. We ask a lot more of these guys than they did at that time, and it's not their fault. I just think it's just a harder game to play. It's just harder on your body. More possessions, more to do defensively. I think it's just harder. Could be. Could be. I I have no idea. I'm not so sure. It's it's about 
the amount of games, mm. but I just don't know what it is. Yeah. Sean, this has been great. Uh, I appreciate you making the time per usual. What uh, can the good folks check out from you over at NBA.com uh, this week? Yeah, so uh, I just came back from uh, New Orleans and also L.A. Speaking of Zion, I did a big piece on him that will run uh, a week from tomorrow. Okay. They, they open in Brooklyn, so look out. Did you talk that. to Zion? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. And then uh, I have a big piece that's going to run next Monday on LeBron and Kareem and the chase for the all-time scoring list. Do you so, think he gets there? What's that? you think LeBron gets there? I mean, at this pace, he'll be there like in mid mid January. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, unless he gets hurt, uh, yeah. he's he's going to get it. So, uh, those are the two things. Uh, I just finished up those stories. Just sent them in now, and then I will be next week. Uh, I'll be in Boston for the Sixers. I'll be in Brooklyn for the Nets Pelicans, and then I'm going out to San Francisco for Nuggets Warriors. Okay, you're all over the map. You're yeah, it's man. grind time, man. Got to do what you got to do, man. Absolutely. Well, keep up the great work. I'm excited to read those pieces, Sean, and uh, go check them out on NBA.com if you have not already done so. Sean, we'll have to touch base again soon. Sounds good, my man. We'll see you. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.